Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What do businesses and gaming have in common? You are about to find out. The episode you're about to hear is from Squad Leader, a podcast brought to you by Smart and Puma Podcast. Enjoy! We all play games. Whether that's on a console, a laptop with friends, or even in the real world. Hello, I'm Mon Isberto. People call me Tech Lolo or Tech Tito, depending on your age and inclination. I like helping people learn how to use tech to improve their lives. In this podcast, we look at the intersection between business and gaming. We ask people who are leaders in their fields, what games are they playing? We're also joined by fellow casual gamer, Mark Casillian. Hello, I'm Mark, and I play NBA 2K and Mobile Legends. I also love narrative-heavy adventure games. Among many other things. Okay, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) So in this first episode, we are talking with Mr. Al Panlilio. Right. The CEO of PLDT and Smart, one of the leading telecommunications groups in the country. And we asked Sir Al, what games did he play when he was younger? I played a lot of Space Invaders and Pac-Man. What insights did he learn from those games? that he now uses in his job as CEO. We have to simplify the way we work. We have to simplify the way we we do things. This is the first episode of Squad Leader. This podcast is brought to you by Smart. Live your passion with purpose with Smart Prepaid and powered by Puma Podcast. A quick side note, this podcast was recorded remotely during the community quarantine. We hope that you remain safe during these times. Now, back to our episode. Alban Lilio is the Chief Executive Officer of PLDT and Smart. Games have always been a part of his life, from old arcade games in the 70s to playing varsity basketball in high school and college. When did you start playing games? Do you recall? The first game I remember is Pong. I don't know if you remember Pong. Like a, it's a ping pong. Like mm, you're playing mm. two players. One side, you just have a small bar that you're moving up and down. And you're, you're playing with somebody. And there's a ball in the middle that you're just trying not to get through you. Because you one point. Then the other one is Space Invaders. Oh, okay. I don't even know Sony before. It was Atari. Uh, I think during this time with the joystick, we call it, if you recall. No? Uh-huh. Then the simple joystick with the red button on the on the left side of the joystick. Again, Space Invaders. Um, you're just shooting as if a row of um, 
alien spaceships that are coming down to Earth and you have to shoot it down slowly, um, one by one, row by row. But as as uh, they go down lower, it becomes faster also. Until until ka, no? And the other one, of course, very known still today by, by even my kids is Pac-Man. Playing Pac-Man, yes, the ghosts and and all of those all those things. And so, I mean, those are all to me very, very two-dimensional games in the seventies. No? Actually, Sir Al was witness to some of the first video games that came out, mostly in arcade form. The seventies came to be known as the first decade of the video game industry. This period was when some of the earliest consoles and arcade games became widely available on the market, and games like Pong and Space Invaders became popular. The arcade uh, is just a small console, a small box with a with a with a joystick and a red button on that console. You attach it to the TV, but the experience is not not that great. I mean, I think it's a bit more simpler that time. You know, it's more two dimensional. Today, I think the games today are a bit more complex. Uh, if I watch my kids play Call of Duty or very complicated games to me, and a lot of things happening all, all at the same time. Parang, I mean, those are the games today. It's a bit more difficult no? because it's also role-playing. More of you're there. Al, you mentioned your kids. Do you, ever, do you, do you play with your kids? I tried playing um, NBA 2K with them. Ah, uh, okay. Very poor. <laughs> uh, they were like... Uh, Sabi ko, let's just go in the real court, but still, they they already beat me there, naren. So, but a lot of a lot of things to remember, eh? buttons and all of that. No? And they, they seem to be so natural to them, no, and how they play it. Actually, it's a bit ironic that I would say he plays poorly in NBA 2K, considering he used to play basketball back in his high school and college days. I started playing basketball when I was in grade four. No, I was in Ateneo Grade School. Uh, made the varsity teams in grade 6, grade 7. In fact, I made it si Senator Jingo Estrada at that time. Where si to. Ah, okay. We were so small. We were the ones holding the banner as the marching of the teams. Because we were the two small. But suddenly in high school, I, I grew in high school. continued to play in high school. And then eventually UAAP. Actually, the first year of my varsity in high school was the first year Ateneo was in the UAAP. You know, I, I guess sports, as I said, has always been big for me. So I, I went schooling in the States. And then when I came back, actually, before I found my first job, I actually played the uh, semi-pro in PABL, PABL for one season. So I played basketball for one season. But I felt that after playing one, one, one season uh, and, you know, basketball every day, practice in the morning, practice in the afternoon, weights in between, this is not, not my life. This is not for me. <laughs> okay, teka muna, teka muna. Al is talking about the PBL, or the Philippine Basketball League, also originally known as the Philippine Amateur Basketball League. It was a semi-professional league founded in the early 1980s. I said maybe I needed to pursue a career. and I had a technology background, so I started with CIS of Meralco. I took a break, you know, and I said I wanted to sort of do my own thing and be be entrepreneurial. But at that time when I was taking that break, I don't know whether you remember Oji Narvasa. Yes, of course. The lawyer attorney Oji Narvasa, who was my coach in high school, um, but also at the time he was commissioner of the PABL, asked me to be part of the technical committee team of the PABL, which I did. 
I was I was with him for one conference also until um, I uh, rejoined IBM. No? I said, I guess, it, you know, I was an, an entrepreneur to start with. So I said, maybe I'm more of a corporate man. So I had the opportunity to join IBM. And then from then on, uh, I always loved sports. I always kept myself abreast with sports, not only here locally, but also in the States. In fact, when I was in the U.S., I started following also NFL, American football, you know, in San Francisco, uh, 49ers and all of that. So I was always big in sports. And when um, I guess um, I, I got into the role in, in PLDT, uh, of course, the chairman being one of the major patron sports uh, in the country, I got more involved again in sports. Now, in more on not only for myself, but really more how can we really help athletes. No? Um, and started off with really my involvement um, as governor of the PBA with Meralco. And then when um, MVP stepped down from SBP, um, I ran for, for that position and, and won, luckily won. MVP is, of course, Manuel V. Pangilinan. At the end of the day, I think that was my platform and saying that you know, I'm here really for the athletes. Okay. Well, turning to your corporate side, Al, because no? you work for companies, you work for a group that's very heavily involved in quite a number of sports, actually, you know. Is it worth it? I mean, looking back, stepping back a bit, can you say that it's worth it that, that the companies really get involved in so much sports? I think it is. As you know, I, I also had MVP Sports Foundation, and really that, that only survives because all the MVP group of companies support it no? in a big way. Uh, so Philippi Smart supports it, Meralco supports it, Manila, uh, Tollways, Empic, even First Pacific supports it annually. Uh, with all the funding that is needed to support 10 sports that we are supporting as a private sector. And a lot of those sports or NSAs that we support, in the SEA Games alone, no, the last SEA Games that was played in the Philippines, I think half of the gold medals that was won by the country, half of them are athletes that were supported by our foundation. Uh, so whoa. it's elevating, I guess, the country, elevating sports, but more importantly, I think, giving these athletes a chance to, to perform and, and represent the country. But, you know, they carry that all their lives, eh? that knowledge and that characteristics that they go through. No? So, it's a good thing. Kasi ang maganda sa mga sports heroes, hindi ba parang unifying sila? Correct, correct. Sports, no, is very big to me. And there are a lot of concepts and insights and learnings that I've had in, in sports that you really apply in, in the corporate world, no, because it's not a game about who is better, diba? if you're in a company. It's a team game. You have the same goals, you have the same aspirations, and you have to help each other to achieve those goals. Ah. And you can't have anybody um, fail because one, you know, as they say, you know, you're, you're only as good as your weakest link, right? Mm. So everybody has to contribute, everybody has to uh, prevail so that you as a group, as a company, as a team, achieve the, the aspirations that you want, no? And and I've always been very big with, um, you know, in fact, when I was in Meralco, we were hiring uh, sports athletes because I feel that they just have the grit you need also in terms of times when business might not be as rosy and, and there's some challenges. Um, you know, these athletes, these this, this, um, student athletes, you know, I know a lot of them go to school, uh, have to work on the side and still play sports. Okay, 
So far, we've established that Sir Al is a gamer who likes to keep things simple, a sports person, and a tech guy. Now, how does he use that to impact the game that he's playing now? That of a leader. Now you have now educators leaning on the studies done by neurologists who are saying that the educational system should include more games in its content because games are very engaging at the same time. They, you know, it's good for the mental health of kids. It makes them happy, etc., etc. And and so the educational system is saying, no, there should be more games. <laughs> I, I agree with that. I think even even in the corporate world, Mon, or employee engagement things, no, I mean, uh-huh. whether uh-huh. it's cyber, you, know, you need to learn about cybersecurity, data privacy, and all of these things. It's so boring if you just, you know, go through like a document and you just tick the boxes if you've read it and all of that. Why not gamify it also, right? It's a technique, eh? You, you start to have interest. At the same time, the uh, retention, I think, will be higher because it's more immersive. Eh? It's more immersive uh, way of learning. Gamification is the process of adding game elements or mechanics to real-world situations. Say, for example, learning a new skill. When you gamify it, you introduce elements like adding a meaningful storyline or maybe achievement badges. The hope is that you learn better because it's engaging and more fun for the learner. So gaming is, is a technique also for customers. You know, you want to get feedback or you want to sort of make it easier for them to engage you. Thinking of how can you gamify it? How can you make it more appealing? That's going to be more successful than just saying, can you fill this up and, and you get a token after you do it? And please try this product. It's It should be an, an approach, you know, when, when you use these technologies, how you use also gaming as a way to attract either employees or customers. I'm looking forward to more companies having uh, games uh, <laughs> to train to train their employees. Yeah. <laughs> but okay, let, let's step a little further back. Pa. So now you look at it. You know, you're far advanced in your personal professional career. You're also very strongly involved in sports. No, when you look back, how do you now look at games? No, with, with the benefit of what 40, 50 years of time looking back, what would you? tell your kids or grandkids how they should approach games when they run into them. In hindsight, 2020 vision is perfect. <laughs> Never really imagined at that time how how this will evolve. You know? I mean, but again, it's really driven by technology. And I think um, even when I was just, you know, having my chats with my kids before, you know, and I asked them about, you know, because everybody now is going digital, everything is online, accelerated by the pandemic. Uh, we want to be a digital company completely. We're, we're still very far from that, but it forces us to change the way we think. When, when I ask my kids about digital, it's a stupid question to them. Eh? Oh, because for them, digital is not technology. Eh? It's just not technology. Digital to them is a lifestyle, a mindset, mm-hmm. right? So that's how it's evolved. My challenge also internally, aside from, of course, you know, our campaign of Simply Smart Ako as a brand promise, it's also a battle cry, I think, internally within the company. We're being compared not to our competitors, but we're being compared with a Grab, with a Lazada. So there's a certain level of expectation now from our customers. You know, our, our customers at Pilotin Smart, I don't think they want us on their faces every day. But when they need us, whether it's a problem, they want to get something, they want to buy something, they want to ask, the engagement platform should be easy for them to use to do those things, right? Mm-hmm. Fair enough, yes. 
Mon, my aspiration is for PLDT. Na wala yung internet mo, Mon, for whatever reason. In a matter of a few seconds or a minute, we let you know, Mon, we know you're out. Mm-hmm. We are sending a crew now to you to see and assess what's happening. And wouldn't it be nice to say, you will be back in 10 minutes? Yeah. Diba? I mean, even though it's a pain point for you that you are out, but, but for the mere fact that I told you that I know you're out and I'm doing something about it, that will appease you already. Eh? Mm-hmm. The current experience now that you've been out two days, you've been calling PLDT for two days, and you can't seem to get an answer when service is restored. So I think we do have to change, really shift the way we see things from the point of view of a customer. What do I want from you guys? And I think that's that's where we should bring our companies to. And I think, again, because of technology, that can now be achieved. Are we there yet? Not yet. But I think that's aspiration for me, for PLDT and Smart, to really make things simple for our customers. And just like his love for old arcade games, Al says that to go completely digital does not mean making things more complex. Instead, he says, We have to simplify the way we work. We have to simplify the way we, we do things. But Al, Al, it's so hard to make things simple, isn't it? It is, but we have to push our way to be more simple, no? because that's the only way we can also simplify things for our customers. I think technology can actually help us already make that happen for our customers. No? So I'm also asking people to challenge status quo. Some of the policies that we've created, we've crafted them ourselves. So why can't we revisit those? Because customer behavior has changed completely. And again, driven by technology. Well, that, that's really changing the rules of the game, Al. Yes. So. Yes. <laughs> challenge the status quo, man. Challenge the status quo. Okay. If you were to design a game, a game that you'd like your kids and other kids to play, how would you design that game? The discussion we had earlier was very intriguing to me because a lot of the games, obviously, that are out there, or most of the games, is very competitive. You know, somebody wins, either you or me, or us or you, or, or, or against you guys. I think that, that the concept of a game where we, we have a common objective, we have a common goal, um, and the only way we could win is if we all help each other out achieve that goal. I think that's the kind of game that is interesting to me now. I think I think we need more of that in terms of maybe how how it's not more it's not always cutthroat, but really more how do we help each other out and make it a better outcome. But wouldn't that be boring, Al? Parang kasi the comp- the competition of you know beating somebody else is uh, the spice of life in many games. Eh? Uh, would cooperation be kind of boring? <laughs> Well, I guess, I guess, I guess, what I'm saying is cooperation in a competitive nature. Also, at the end of the day, of course, when you're playing, somebody has to win. Eh? Yeah, diba? Somebody has to really win. But in this case, for example, you're playing the computer, but you are a group of four or five people working together to beat that opponent. It can be also be another team, no? So, so it's more of the concept of competition side of it. Somebody has to win, but more development of teams working together, trying to beat another team. Teka lang, Sir Mon. So if I'm getting this right, what Sir Al is saying is that company culture should aim to make things simple and encourage collaboration instead of competition. Parang team building. Yes, that's right, Mark. Yeah, but I'm assuming that you'll need to manage a lot of egos when you want to make big changes. 
especially in a company as big as PLDT Smart. Yes, that's right. And he did provide an answer to that as well. Al, no, nabanggit mo na yung uh, NBA uh, 2K again, no? There's one feature of the game that I was wondering if you use, and if you do use it, uh, I wanted to get your idea. How do you do it, no? Yung my teams, you get to form your team. Anong basis more for selecting and putting together the team? What I know is they have a point system. Um, player levels, I don't know what you call it, parang may mga ranking yung mga players. Meron silang way of, uh, they have to play the game a certain way. Yung NBA 2K, meron silang leveling also, and then they earn points. And they you're also able to strengthen your player. Parang Call of Duty, the more you, you have more weapons, you have more shields, the more stronger you are. Ganon din sa NBA, meron silang ginagawa that as you play, you're able to develop the skills that you need, uh, three-point shooting or whatever. And then they normally are ranked. Eh. Okay. Uh-huh. Now, the reason I asked this question, Al, is also parang, you know, I wanted to get an insight in, in your management style. Are you the type who wants to bring in uh, jokers or people who, who bring in different insights aside from the very merit-driven kind of appointments? Uh, ikaw, do you, in putting together a team, do you think that's something that's useful or it's really merit that drives the choice? Well, merit is important, but I think also diversity is important. I think it's it's hard that you have a team just you know who who think the same way and everybody just says yes to the boss. Yeah, yeah. Right. I think you need diversity. You need other thoughts, other other insights, because at the end of the day, I think you're able to give proper direction and better direction where you you are more informed, right? My role is to assess whatever recommendation is is how does that impact all the other things that we're doing. Virtual management has been very, very difficult. You know, in the past, we go road shows more. We go to Cebu, we go to Davao. Mm, yeah, yeah. Oh. We meet them and all of that. Obviously, during the pandemic, it was just impossible to do that. So we we started a program where uh, various groups and spend one and a half hours, two hours just talking to them about how do you feel now? What, what are your challenges? How can we help and all of that? But really more an open discussion and hearing them out. You know? Yes. Uh-huh. There's a speech that I've shared no, uh, of Teddy Roosevelt when he talks about the man in the arena. And he talks about the people really on the ground. I want to listen to them because I don't know, they're the ones on the ground. They're the ones feeling the dust, feeling the rain, feeling all this thing on the ground. And a senior management team, we need to hear that. We need to acknowledge that so that the decisions we make are decisions that, that we can execute. Because sometimes it's a great it's a great theoretical decision, but when you implement it, it's just very difficult. As I said, you can't be all the same feather, right? Eh? <laughs> diversity. Uh-huh. I think you, you also need that angas, eh? It's really how you manage all these egos, and like it's also true for basketball, right? Michael Jordan, right? And and you know, Phil Jackson to blend characters and egos to make it work, make it click. You have a Dennis Rodman, you have a Scottie Pippen, you have a Michael Jordan whose, whose ego is really way, way way out of the moon, way, way out there. But he's able to make them work together and achieve and, and really perform. So, so talagang you need your individual characters, but somebody should be able to bring them together. I really work that way, no. And if you ask the people I work with, I am a very open person, no? And and I, I I do listen to a lot of people. I let people speak up, eh? so I don't I don't label them as going against me. 
but really more of um, maybe this person just really wants to contribute. Mag-contribute lahat, di ba? Ano yung dapat gawin? You're not a stand-alone and, and everybody's inputs is uh, invaluable and, and so that we know how to approach a particular issue. Nakuha mo na, Mark? A manager's job is not to step over people's egos, but to accept na, oo nga, minsan, kailangan mo rin ng certain level of angas. A good leader will be able to take all of these passionate people together and make something great out of them. So it's about diversity as well, no? Accepting na iba-iba yung strengths ng mga tao. Exactly. Yeah, but I'm curious. A lot of these insights are gut feels, di ba? It's hard to really pin down if these are data-driven. So ngayon na lahat, puro AI-driven, may value pa ba yung gut feel when it comes to managing people? Or a company, for that matter? Well, you know, in my opinion, yes. Uh, but but let's, let's ask Al that question. Meron pa rin. I think you're more informed, but at the same time, I think the experience that you've had in the past still can contribute, especially when it comes to people-related approaches, di ba? So, meron pa rin. Meron pa rin gut feel. Even, even in basketball, in coaching, di ba? I mean... They use a lot of analytics today. Um, you know, Steph Curry will 99% make a three-point shot from the corner. Only 92% from the wing. <laughs> bilang na bilang na talaga. <laughs> oh, but but I think I think there are ways that you can sort of still address that. But sometimes yung bunot ng coach ng player at a certain instance, ano yan eh, gut feel yun eh. Uh, like you know, say, uh, I suddenly pulled Monis Berto to go in and suddenly Monis Berto steals and makes a basket and turns the game around. Ah. That's, that's gut feel sometimes. No? That's not analytics anymore. But it helps. It definitely helps a lot no? because because it, it gives you a more informed uh, decision rather than just purely gut feel. I think that's why uh, even from PLDT Smart, analytics has played a huge role. You know, we still have to tap a lot of this even moving forward. You know, when you talk about artificial intelligence and, and machine learning, marami pa yan, no? But it starts off with, with data points, with data that we can gather as much as we can and analyze that data yeah on top of different insights and diversity it's really analytics also that that, that we can use no unlike in the past siguro in the 70s again a lot of it is gut feel yep i mean you, you can still use that a little bit now but but it's strengthened by analytics uh, by a lot of insighting that's already available with you no so the data can help make informed decisions but only to a certain extent. Sabi nga ni Al, diba? He likes to keep things simple. And you can't get any simpler than trusting your gut. Informed by data, of course, Sir Mon. It has to be a coming together of the old and the new, kumbaga. All right. Okay, on that note. That was our first episode of Squad Leader. I'm Monisberto. Thank you all for listening. And I'm Mark Casillian. This episode was produced and edited by Carl Sayat. If you like this episode, please subscribe to Squad Leader on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Smart. Live your passion with purpose with Smart Prepaid and powered by Puma Podcast. And that was an episode from Squad Leader. If you liked it, do us a favor and tell a friend. And don't forget to subscribe to Squad Leader wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 